Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Rim. We're going to take another look back at Saturday's big Minnesota win over the Hawkeyes in Iowa City. Next. How much can you save when you shop Cub? Let's just say you might need a bigger cart. We've lowered prices, so you save more. On Essential Every Day, it's easy to see the savings. Across the aisles, from pantry products, to frozen foods, to delicious dairy, and more. Your family will love it, guaranteed, or your money back. Shop Cub and save today. My Cub, my way. See store for details. The Golden Gophers beat the Hawkeyes on Saturday 12-10 in a slugfest of a game. Immediately after the win, Justin Gard spoke with senior center Nathan Bowe about the victory and what it meant. Playing six years, staying home from Lakeville. I know you give us a lot of crap, but this is why you stay home. So you can do awesome things like this. And this is what we came here to do. Me, Brevin, and Bryce Williams all came here in 2018, class 18. And we were like, we're going to get this thing. And we finally did it. And I'm so so happy, man. <laughs> How did you get it done today? You got to give all the credit to the defense. It was a team effort, man. The O-line, we, we particularly didn't play great in the first half, but that's what our program is built on, just responding, and we picked things up, and we picked our team up, and, you know, no matter if you win by one point or 100, win's a win, and gosh, I'm just so happy, man, but it came down to the O-line, and, you know, just, we got guys ready to play, six-year guys, true freshman guys, it takes everyone, and I love every single one of my brothers. That's Gopher Center, Nathan Bow and Justin Gard from Iowa City on Saturday. The Golden Gophers are now 4-3 and three on the season and hoping to keep things going with a home game on Saturday against Michigan State, kicking off at 2.30. For more info on that game, including how to purchase tickets, go to gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. 10-14. We get rolling on this Tuesday morning. Great to have you with us. We mentioned yesterday, Timberwolves are back here on KDAL. We've got a schedule of a bunch of 60-ish games all up between here and AM 710 this season. Voice of the Timberwolves, let's get a season preview. Alan Horton, good morning, sir. Bruce and Duluth, how are you? Uh, You know what? I could not be better, even though the sun hasn't shown very much the last week or so. It's basketball season, hockey season, football season. We've got the World Series coming up. It's a great time of year. Yeah, it really is. Um, NFL's in full swing and a big Vikings win, big Gophers win. You know, and it's, uh, it, yeah, it is a fun time of the year. Hockey's underway. So it's just a kind of culmination of a lot of different sports. And uh, every night you've got something either to tune into or listen to. Uh, absolutely. So let's talk Wolves because <laughs> I tell you what, for a team that didn't make a whole lot of moves this summer, they made a whole lot of moves. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, they made their big move at the trade deadline last year in in getting Mike Conley, getting Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I I, I think for a lot of people was just a throw-in in in that deal. Uh, That might be the most important part of the deal, not to to take anything away away from Mike Conley, because his his presence at the point compared to what the Wolves had at this time last year in D'Angelo Russell uh, is night and day. It's it's such a better fit for this team. Um, Camp has been very workmanlike, Bruce. 
These guys are basically veterans, top 11 players. The youngest guys are Ant and Jaden, and those guys have been in the league starting for the last two years, and they're in their fourth seasons, and they've already earned their, their big paydays, both of them. So this is a veteran-laden team. They know how to put in the work. They know how to take care of themselves. They know how to uh, perform at practice, and Chris Finch has been pretty pleased through the first three-plus weeks of training camp um, how things have looked, and, and they're set for the opener tomorrow night. There are so many questions with this group, and we'll get to Ant and Jaden and those contract extensions in a second. Uh, Chris Hines, Star Tribune, had a feature on Rudy Gobert over the weekend, and he did the Aaron Rodgers darkness retreats in Oregon, and, and he says he came out of it refreshed and renewed and, and ready to go here this year. What have you seen from Gobert over the course of training camp? I've seen a more comfortable guy in his second season. I think um, the team more comfortable with him, him with the team, the routine that you go through. You're living in a new city for the first time. He spent nine years in Utah, and you get you get pretty set in your routine. And Rudy is a creature of habit, like a lot of players are. And so when you uproot that and you find a new place to live, you're in a new city. Um, you got new teammates. They play a little bit differently. Um, and I think I, I don't think you're going to see major changes with the way the Wolves play with and without Rudy Gobert, but they're just going to tweak things a little bit, um, and you mix that in hopefully with a healthy Carl Anthony Towns, and now you've got something. And I don't think the you know that was so much of the talk last year. Can Rudy and Cat coexist? How does how does Rudy fit into this monster lineup when you've got Nas Reed as well, uh, and Kyle Anderson was your best power forward last year? You know. Those questions really aren't as heavy this year. Rudy's a part of this team. You're going to play your best players, and you're going to figure it out. I think I, I don't think it's as big an issue as it was a season ago. Um, and Rudy's a very you know he's, he's great to talk to. He's very present. He's very in the moment. He's uh, very spiritual too. So I think he really enjoyed. It. I, I don't know if uh, all of us could pull off going into the darkness for I uh, what three nights and two days. Yeah. That, that scares me a little bit. I, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, um, and I and I try not. I'm, I'm not going to judge other people and, and the, the the things that they want to do. Um, and I said the same thing when Rogers did it last year. I'm like that's what you want to do. Yeah. That's what you want to do. I know that this is a this could be a very powerful experience for the right person. I just said I don't think I'm the right person for it. I agree with you. I told my wife that you know I don't know that we need to go to that extreme. I think you can. <laughs> I think there's a healthy balance in between. Like we could just get away for a vacation. I, I do like sunlight. I, I enjoy. I enjoyed lightness. Uh, and so I think I don't think you have to go to that extreme for me personally. Um, you know. But hey, to each his own. Absolutely. Yeah, I found I found a cabin on Leech Lake. My wife and I rented for a few days around Labor Day. That that was that was good enough. I got to see sunrise and sunset yeah. and go fishing a little bit, and and that that's yeah. good enough R and R. I don't yeah I, I don't need to. The, the darkness would throw me for a loop. I wouldn't know what to do with that. And you can put your own phone away. I mean, you yeah. can just not look at your phone all day. We're capable of that. So that's that, that's a part you can get away from. I agree. Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network. Carl uh, Anthony Towns is healthy. And, he, you know, world championships, the FIBA World Cup, I should say, a good experience for him playing for the Dominican Republic. What have you seen from Kat? And obviously the, the, that dynamic with, with him and, and Nas Reed and, and Gobert, that's going to be the question going into the year, and they'll have to answer it as they go. Yeah, and I think uh, I think they're all good with it because they all get along together. And um, yeah, there might be some bumps along the way, but I think Cat had a really good experience playing for the Dominican Republic. Um, he he just got back to looking like he had fun on the court. He was smiling. He was leading the way. He was he really enjoyed himself. And he and still, I asked him about it the other day, and he just kind of lights up when he talks about the Dominican Republic. And it's interesting. He wouldn't have been able to play for the Dominican Republic because they wouldn't have qualified for the World Cup if Dominican hadn't beaten. Pablo Prigioni's Argentina. Pablo's an assistant coach for the Wolves. 
and the final game of World Cup qualifying, Dominican went into um, the DR went into Argentina and won that game, which allowed Cat to then play for the Dominican Republic in the World Cup. So it's kind of weird how how that all twists and turns and was tied together. Uh, but I think you know, and Cat has you know, admittedly been you know he's 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 kind of sullen during his interviews, right? He's really pretty short. He's usually pretty loquacious. Uh, not this year, but that's fine. As long as he goes onto the floor and has fun there, and he's having fun on the floor. I've seen it day in, day out at training camp in these preseason games. The dude is having fun. He's healthy. He's looking forward to the season. And I think if he takes that approach of just hey, inside those inside the court, that's all you got to worry about. And if you have fun and, and do your thing, he's that talented he'll change whatever narrative he thinks is out there about him. Um, he'll, he and the Wolves will be in good shape if he just goes out and plays hard. Everything else will take care of itself. Anthony Edwards off the World Cup, now has a five-year contract extension. Jade McDaniels off a great year for him last year, really emerged as a top defensive player. He showed that offensive upside. Now he's got a five-year contract extension. And these two young core pieces, Tim Connolly has them locked up for a long time. Yeah, he does, and uh, they took care of business, got it done right before the deadline with Jaden. Um, Ants was a no-brainer, and um, yeah, that's what you want to do, right? You want to make good selections in the draft, and the Wolves did that with Anthony Edwards and late in the first round with Jaden McDaniels. You lock those guys up. They're a part of the future. It also helps set the tone, right? That it, And we can lump the Nas Reed signing in with this, too. Undrafted free agent. The Wolves gave him a four-year deal. Uh, he earned the, the, the contract extension to get him a three-year, $42 million deal. Um, and, it, and it lets guys know that, hey, if you, if, you, if you work hard, if you do the right things, you're going to get rewarded. You're, this franchise will, will want to have you back. And so I, I think it all feeds on itself. It's a really good um, kind of process to, to, to get in the habit of when you get guys like this that, that uh, fit the mold and um, get rewarded for it. And so those guys are now a big part of your future. Now it does, it does create some issues, as multiple people have pointed out, that starting next year this team gets really, really expensive. And uh, it's gonna be that, I think that is the elephant in the room, right, that that puts some pressure on, well, what can this team do, and do you keep this team together next year? Um, it all depends on how good they can be this year. And that puts a little bit of pressure on this team. Is that the is that elephant stay in the room even if this team is winning, or does that elephant only show up in the room if this team's not winning? I think it depends on how far uh, this team goes. Um, so if they would get to the first round again, like they have the last two years, but they're the seven or eight seed and they lose in four, five, six games, um, is that enough to keep them together? That's that's an unanswered question. I I don't know. Do you have to win one round? Do you have to get to the conference finals? What you know, it depends on what your marker is, and that, and that's a decision for the Wolves front office, and probably even above that, Wolves ownership. With Jade McDaniel's Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network, our guest here, it's ten twenty-two. With Jade McDaniel's, we saw last year again, elite defender. I think pretty much everybody in the NBA agrees that this guy is very, very good at, at that part of the game offensively, it seems like they've unlocked a few things with him. He shot over 50%, almost 40% on threes. What is his offensive upside? I think it's yet to be determined. I, I, I think we started to see him grow really when after Mike Conley came aboard. And that was one thing that Chris Finch pointed out to me. He's like, wait and see how much more, you know, how much more Jaden's a part of the offense. Because, you know, D'Lo is an offensive player. So offensive players need the ball. They're going to shoot. Mike Conley is not that type of player. He's more of a facilitator. He'll shoot it when you need it, and he'll shoot it well. Um, and he 
ended up finding Jaden McDaniels more offensively, giving Jaden more shots, not just on Mike Conley, but, you know, they, they gave, and Chris Finch gave Jaden the green light to try to make some things happen. We saw, we see him drive more, go one-on-one. We've seen him kind of expand his offensive game. Um, and I think that's only going to get honed. I think you're going to see more shots from Jaden. I think, um, I, I, I think he's just going to consistently improve. Now, how, how, how high can he get? Can he ever average 20 points a game? I don't know. If he had the opportunity, I think he could. Uh, but he'll probably, you know, continue to get up to the 15, maybe the 15 to 18 points a game. Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network, as we uh, talk Wolves here ahead of the season opener tomorrow night in Toronto, 6.30 here on KDAL. Mike Conley is the the number one point guard. He's 36, and, and obviously it, it, depth is important. Jordan McLaughlin is back. Shake Milton was brought in here in the offseason. The point guard position, Alan, is so important because you've got so much talent on the floor, and the, the ball's got to go to the right places. Yeah, and they've got some guys that they can turn to. It's, it, it's not, you know, the point guard spot in the NBA to me is, yeah, you'd like a true point guard, and they've got a couple of those, like you mentioned, Conley and J-Mac. Uh, but you've also got Nikhil who can initiate offense, Ant with the ball in his hands, Kyle Anderson, Shake Milton. These are all guys that can handle that point guard spot. They're not traditional point guards. But um, Chris Finch loves to have those guys um, into the mix as far as who the ball handler is on the floor. And so I think, I think the Wolves have incredible depth this year. I think they're going to go 11 deep. I want to see J-Mac play. Uh, I think he's back to the player he was before he injured the calf last season. He's a plus-minus god. He makes people better around him, and so he can, you know, play. You know, he might only play six or seven minutes, but he'll he'll get you a couple of points. Maybe knock down a three. I think his shot. He told me he's really focused this year on getting his shot going early. He's generally been a guy who has performed well on his shooting, at least second half of the season. He wants to get off to a better start early, and we've seen that in camp. Uh, but I, I think Troy Brown Jr. and, and Shake Milton are going to they fit in seamlessly. So I really think this team is 11 deep, which gives Chris Finch incredible options. You can put out defensive lineups uh, of a Jaden, Nikhil, Ant, and Rudy. That's pretty good defensively. Or you could go the other route and go really offensive with Cat and Nas on the floor. You got Ant out there and then put more shooters around them. Um, he, he's got a lot of different combos he can turn to, and that's that's one reason why I think I think this team is going to be pretty good. Is there, Alan, an ideal number of minutes for Nas Reed, or is, is this maybe one of those things? You, it might depend on the opponent to kind of figure it out as you go. It might be because Nas has never played more than 19 minutes a game, and that's that's not terrifically high for a guy you just invested three years and 42 million dollars, um, and especially with a crowded front court. Uh, you know, where are those minutes going to come from and how many is he going to get? Even last year when Cat was out for 53 games, Nas only averaged 18 minutes a game um, as Kyle Anderson got the starting role and was really plugged in next to Rudy. That was a terrific pairing. In fact, that was the best two-man pairing with Rudy Gobert was with Kyle Anderson next to him. Um, so it's it, that's very interesting to me to see how many minutes Nas ends up getting um, if he continues to play offensively like he did at the end of last season before he broke the wrist and during training camp this year, I, I, I think you're going to have a hard time taking him off the floor. I think he can get over that 20-minute mark. Um, if, if, if he's scoring like he is, he's, he, he feels terrifically comfortable in this offense. He knows what's expected of him. Um, he, he, is, he, he kind of figured out how to play along, whether it's Cat one time or Rudy another time. I think he's kind of figured that out. He's got the green light to shoot. 
Um, I think um, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what he, his his numbers and especially minutes per game that that ends up uh, he ends up collecting over the season. We talked about the depth on the NBA roster. There's a lot of young talent in this in this organization that needs more time to develop. What, what's the expectation with the group that they'll have in Iowa to start the year? Well, it's going to be it's going to be crowded. I think. I mean, so much of G League success is about the health of the big club, right? So last year, the Timberwolves had, you know, uh, they were middle of the pack as far as injuries. The big loss, of course, was Towns missing 53 games. And that really prevented a guy from like Luca Garza going down and spending 30 games with Iowa. I think he only ended up playing 10 to, uh, off the top of my head, I can't recall. It wasn't that many. He was dominant when he's down there. But that's the thing, right? If the, if the big club is healthy, well, then you're going to see Leonard Miller down in Iowa. You're going to see Luca Garza go down there. Um, and, and get an opportunity. You're going to see Josh Minot and Wendell Moore. If everybody's healthy above them, those guys are going to get more playing time at Iowa. So it's um, it all depends on the health of the big club. And then if if that all goes to form, okay, fine. You're going to see more minutes for Iowa, and as a result, Iowa's going to Iowa's going to look pretty good. And that's usually what happens in the G League. You look at the parent club and figure out how many games were missed by some of their stars. Uh, and that has a direct correlation on your ability to win at, at, at the G League level. Finally, you guys are getting your Canadian trip out of the way earlier this year, as in it's tomorrow night, and this is a Toronto team that's in some transition, Alan. Yes, I know they still have Pascal Siakam, OG Anunobi, but this is a, it's a little different Raptors team than the one that won a championship just a few years ago. Yeah, they're kind of in the middle of the pack. We saw the Chicago Bulls in the preseason. I think they're kind of stuck in middle land, too, where they're not bad enough to tank and get a high draft pick, but they're not good enough to compete with the other powerhouses in the East, like Boston, Milwaukee, maybe Miami, uh, Philadelphia, if they ever get right. Um, but Toronto, you know, they, 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 it, it clearly went wrong last year. They put up good enough numbers to be the sixth seed. Their expected win-loss should have had them at the sixth seed. They ended up being the 10th seed, losing a play-in game um, on their home floor. And, um, you know, they let Fred Van Vliet go, and they let Nick Nurse go. And so they got Darko Ryakovic as their new coach. He's an assistant from Memphis. And they're trying to, you know, that's, that's how you, that's one change you can make, right? If your team's not going anywhere, okay, let's replace the head coach. It's easier to do that than trade off all the different pieces. Uh, but Pascal Siakam's in his final year of his contract. So it's interesting to see whether they've got long-term plans for him or is he a guy that's going to be on the move at the trade deadline. Um, you know, oftentimes that's a time when, when teams kind of remake their roster on the move. And the Wolves kind of did that last season. So, you know, the Wolves have had no success in Toronto. They've lost 18 straight north of the border. The one win they've gotten recently against Toronto on the road was actually in Tampa a few years ago during the pandemic. And so it's, it, they've never opened the season in Toronto. Maybe this, is the, maybe this is the trick that gets that monkey off their back of just finding a way to win because this, um, they, they should, you know, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome atmosphere up there in Toronto. It always is. And uh, they've just got to find a way to win a game. 18 in a row. I've never seen a win there. They, the last win came in 2004. That's crazy to think about that. 6.15 pregame, 6.30 yeah. tip-off tomorrow night from north of the border. Alan, enjoy it. Thank you so much for doing this. As always, we'll talk soon. Yeah, sounds good, Bruce. Appreciate it. All right, Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network, joining us on a regular basis again this season. Great to have the Wolves back on the radio starting tomorrow night. 10.31 on KDAL. Coast to coast. They're right there in front of us. They don't see them. Late nights on KDAL. Plenty more to come on this Tuesday morning as we chat Bulldog hockey coming up. Men's hockey assistant coach Cody Chupp, the architect of the Red Hot UMD power play. 
He joins the radio show next as we get ready for the UMV Bulldogs series at Cornell this weekend. We'll talk to Cody Chupp after we hear from CBS News. It's 1035, Bruce Siski Show, 610, 103.9 KDAL. The Bruce Siski Show. Why are your father's ashes in a coffee can? Because he's dead, Peter. I know, I know that. Don't you listen to anything that anybody else says? Just saying normal people put remains in an urn. This is vacuum sealed. Ethan, you broke the seal when you poured out the coffee, and then you poured your father's remains in there, and then you closed it. That didn't reseal it. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. On 610 and FM 103.9 ADAO. 1040. Tomorrow, UMV women's hockey head coach Maura Kroll. Later on this week, Cornell coach Mike Schaefer. UMV men's hockey sophomore Cole Spicer, UMV football sophomore quarterback Kyle Waljasper, also on the radio show later on this week. Joining us now from out west, assistant coach with the UMV men's hockey team, Cody Chubb. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, got into Seattle yesterday, so trying to adjust to the time change. Yeah, that, that two hours is no joke. Trust me. I, it, it's doesn't matter what direction you're going. Those time changes can mess you up. Um, so I made the joke on Friday during the first period as, as the power play clicked and clicked and clicked and scored three times that you were uh, going to have to leave the bench and go in and supervise the installation of an in-ground pool at your house. Uh, it, 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 all seriousness, how good has this power play been the, that you've been running here over the uh, first few games of the season? Yeah, it's it's been great, um, and it's a huge credit to the guys and and committing to making it work. And, and not every goal has been uh, exactly how you draw it up. Um, you know, I think back to Bemidji Saturday night; it was uh, kind of a broken play, and um, we were able to get one in. So, yeah, it's a it's a huge uh, it's a huge boost for our team, obviously, in the the early stages of the season. Um, but uh, yeah, credit to the guys for for committing to it and uh, buying in. And you know, the power play is really uh, about getting on the same page, and and that's what they've uh, that's what they've done early. The, the chemistry's been good, but how much does this confidence you think mean to these players? There's some young guys that are you're asking to contribute on the power play, and they you know, they get out there, they have success. They got to feel good about that. Yeah, confidence is massive on the power play. It's um, like I said, so many power play goals um, at any level are, are scored um, in interesting ways. And, and what I mean by that is off a rebound to a reattack or um, kind of a, a broken play that you get possession of. Um, very few of them are, are perfect set plays, exactly how you practice them throughout the week. So that's where that confidence comes in and um when you feel like every time you step over the boards on the power play you're going to give yourself a chance to score uh multiple times um you know i think guys uh you know they feed off that talking to umb men's hockey assistant coach cody chupp i was talking to the head coach scott sandal on saturday and he mentioned that you know on friday he didn't think you know Ben Steves, he'll score 21 goals last year. He's already got five this year. He had four going into last weekend. And that means you're going to get some attention. And and he didn't think the first unit necessarily handled that all that well on Friday. Did you think they handled that better and, and maybe got Steves in some more open positions and, and got him you know, some puck touches on Saturday? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously there was only two chances at it on Saturday. Um, but that unit uh, with Benny – 
had a couple of really good looks uh, in the first attempt, put them back out there in the second attempt, and they were able to get a big goal for us. So, yeah, it's it's going to be the challenge, and, and you know, obviously Benny knows that. We've had those conversations, um, trying to find new ways to get him open and put him in different spots to score, and then. You know, for him, um, I know he spent a lot of time and continues to spend a lot of time working on shooting from the other side, from the middle. Um, and those are all areas that, that we want him to feel comfortable getting the puck and, and getting it to the net because he has a unique ability that, <laughs> to put it in when he does. So, um, you know, it, but huge credit Friday night to, to our other unit that did a fantastic job and scored, I think, three goals on, on Friday uh, with a little bit more opportunity. And, um you know, maybe not the spotlight as much going into it, but obviously uh, it's huge when both units are, are going well. With respect to Benny, it's a situation, right, where, where you know, the more you can move him around and, and the more threats that there are around him, the easier it's going to be for him to be able to find those soft spots, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, everybody on our power play, both units, uh, we believe uh, we believe in and, and believe that they can score. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of, Giving giving groups different options, um, different ways to to get pucks into good areas, and uh, you know obviously that's that's kind of our challenge week to week is figuring out w- w- what the penalty kill is doing, what we think um, may be an option for us or a, a way to exploit the penalty kill, um, and then you know I think early on maybe one of the challenges that we didn't foresee was. Uh, the risk of overconfidence where you, you think, uh, okay, we had a good weekend last weekend, it's going to be easy, um, and, and that sometimes can be just as much of a challenge as anything else. Uh, talking to UMD men's hockey assistant Cody Chupp uh, out in Seattle recruiting this week. So uh, Saturday night, what would you think of, of the five-on-five play? I, I think that it's the most five-on-five play that we've seen in a game so far this year. A chance to get your lines rolling. What did you think of what you got from your players? Yeah, it was. I thought it was our best five-on-five five game of the year. Obviously, probably the game that had the most five-on-five. Five. And as a player, um, getting into a rhythm is such an important thing. You think back to some games where it's been a ton of special teams. There's certain guys that don't play on both special teams. Um, it's really hard to get into that five-on-five five rhythm. I thought our start to the game on Saturday was was great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's definitely something to build off. It's it's kind of a complaint that we've had in, in the early stages of our season is there just hasn't been enough five-on-five play. Um, and that's obviously something that uh, you have to continue to get better at because that's the sustainable part of your game. Um, you know, a, a power play that's going along at whatever it is, 40-some percent, is, is probably not the most sustainable part uh, of your team winning. It's, it's that five-on-five game and continuing to grow that. So you're saying that the the ten for twenty one that you were for the season at one point on Friday that that that's not sustainable because I I mean I, I mean I agree but it's it, it was it was fun to look at that number for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great, and I'll I absolutely will never complain about that. <laughs> right, um, will never complain about wins. Um, you know, it's just uh, like I said, games get tighter uh, as the season goes on. And power plays get better, but but penalty kills get better too, and and that's something that uh, we constantly talk about. And know Adam and I, uh, you know, speak on that all the time about how you know kind of the special teams evolved throughout the year. And anyone that's been around hockey for a long time understands that that scoring is a, an interesting thing. It, it can come in, in huge waves, and it can dry up just as quick. And 
Um, you know, our challenge on the power play is, is finding ways to be consistent. Uh, like I said, getting five guys on the same page and continuing to produce chances. But at the same time, the thing that's going to win you hockey games late in the season and down the stretch is your five-on-five play. Cornell got to the round of eight in the NCAA tournament last year, but this is that odd deal. You know, these Ivy League teams, they have yet to play a regular season game, so you don't necessarily have a lot of tape on this Cornell team. We know Cornell, though. They, they, that bigger, heavier style, they, they swarm kind of like Bemidji does, but they, they do it with bigger players. You saw them last year in their season opener as well. Uh, you, your thoughts on matching up with the Big Red this weekend out in New York? Yeah, it's going to be a big challenge for us, and and you know, part of early in the season is we haven't had a lot of video on, on any of the teams we've played, which has kind of given us an opportunity to focus on ourselves. Um, you know, I would say Cornell, similar to Bemidji, really well-coached uh, group that is consistent in how they play. Coach Schaefer's done an incredible job there for years. Um, so I, I think we have an idea of what it's going to look like. Um, it, it could be an eye-opening experience for, for some of our guys, but um, I know for us it's, it's about matching that, that intensity and that work ethic, being, uh, being ready to go from the drop of the puck, not being surprised by uh, how they play or how hard they play. Um, you know, so that, that's our challenge. Again, an opportunity to kind of focus on ourselves while understanding that this is a huge challenge for us. And, and it's nice, too, because coaches it, – it's weird because coaches never complain when they're at home except when they're home too much. And you guys played four straight at home. Now you get to get the team on the road for a really long trip, which, I, I again, coaches are never going to complain about this early in a season. No, I, I honestly, I, I like road trips early in the season. I, I, I worked a long time in the USHL, and that, that season usually starts with the Pittsburgh trip. Yep. So. Um, you know, it's a long, long bus ride. It's a chance for your guys to just kind of get away from everything else, um, spend time together. It's a good opportunity for the group to come closer together. And, uh, you know, I, I like a, a nice, long, <laughs> early season road trip. So uh, from that aspect, I think we're all looking forward to it, kind of getting away and, and uh, being on our own. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be, a, a like you said, a great challenge. It's a, it's a long travel, so managing that and, and how do we get to our routines and make sure that we're ready to go on Friday night. Enjoy your time out west. Safe travels back, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. Cody Chupp, second-year assistant coach with the UMD men's hockey team. Bulldogs are at Cornell this weekend. We'll have the coverage emanating from here in Duluth. Pre-games on Friday and Saturday, 5.30. Face-off a little after 6 from Ithaca, New York. Long trip for the boys. 10.50. Ryan Phelps standing by, prep update, high school football playoffs underway throughout the state tonight. Brackets, previews, KDAL610.com. It's the Bruce Siski Show. 10.59, Tuesday morning. We're back tomorrow at 10 o'clock. UMD women's hockey head coach Maura Kroll joins the radio show tomorrow. Later on this week, UMD sophomore quarterback Kyle Waljasper, sophomore men's hockey forward Cole Spicer, Cornell coach Mike Schaefer and Minnesota Wilderness head coach Colton St. Clair all coming up this week. Sound off with Brad Bennett, Kenny Calgar after the news. Have a great Tuesday. Thanks for listening. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No. Yes. No. Well.
No, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28, FBFF, and 610 KDAL, Duluth Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.